Yeah. So a lot of people, they'll go on the MLS and they'll just take a quick first glance at the properties out there and go, oh, none of these work, right? Because they, you know, most people know how to do napkin math, right? Like you look at the potential income or the rents that somebody would pay market value rent on that property. And then what are the expenses? And they do the math and like, that doesn't really work. But what they're not doing is they're not asking themselves, how could this work, right? You got to be, I do believe in, in more challenging times or in most markets. Like I, when I first started doing real estate, it was, it was a grind. Like things weren't going up very quickly. It was like one or 2% appreciation a year. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, thanks for tuning in. We are so excited to have Corey McKinnon on the show today. Um, I am going to uh, not introduce Corey because I think Corey is going to do a fantastic job of introducing all the different things he has done, his past, and um, he is a wealth of knowledge. For those of you who haven't seen him online, you should definitely check him out online. He uh, does a lot of active education on Instagram, which is where I've been following him. So I feel like I already know Corey uh, before he's even going to tell us more about himself today. But um, yeah, Corey, thank you for being on the show. Uh, Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about yourself uh, in a nutshell and uh, really what led you down this path of real estate investing. Awesome guys. And no, thanks for having me on. I know this has been a while in the making, just trying to get this date to come together and that sort of thing. I know we've got a lot of mutual friends, but really appreciate the time here today. Looking forward to pouring into your audience. So, um, you know, I'm Corey, I'm from Sarnia, Ontario and, uh, you know, former national level athlete, former corporate trainer. And now I've kind of taken those things into the real estate world since I retired from corporate 10 years ago. Now I speak about real estate. I teach about real estate. I'm not afraid to be on social media, giving great sound bites out about real estate, um, which is interesting because a lot of this newer generation who are so into social media are actually some of the shyest people when it comes to actually sharing the message sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not shy when it comes to that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I just want to be a bright light in the space because I, I really do believe that more people will not be able to be financially secure in whatever their retirement date might be. You know, I saw my parents struggle a little bit financially. I mean, single income parents and four kids in the house. And I always saw that the entrepreneurs were different, right? Somebody who was self-employed, somebody who, you know, had some sort of ties to real estate. Even the guy at the, you know, would empty the, the coins from the video game machines back in the, in the 80s or 90s. I knew that they were different. They were basically making their own plan, doing their own thing, having control of their time. And, you know, I think as a society, we're more overworked than, uh, most countries. And, you know, I just got back from Mexico where they really, they, they work to live. They don't live to work. Whereas sometimes I feel like in North America, we, we feel like we have to live to work just to kind of keep up with how expensive housing is and all sorts of different things. Luckily, prices are coming down a little bit right now, but interest rates are high. So there's always gonna be something to deal with and overcome. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, thanks for the introduction. And um, 
you know, you've gone through, you've been a real estate investor for so many years, uh, over a decade, and you've explored so many different strategies. Is there a certain one that you prefer now? Um, or are you just basically whatever an opportunity comes, you'll will go for it? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Yeah. So I've been investing for, I think this is my 18th year now. And even before I bought real estate, I was, uh, I wanted to buy something two or three years earlier. I just had a bit of a scratch against my credit. So I didn't get the absolute best rate and I was stubborn and I was like, no, I'll sit in the penalty box and wait for my, my credit score to go up a little bit and then we'll buy the house. So, I mean, I started off with house hacking. I house hacked a six flex. That was my first deal. And that was like, you know, if you think of, I was using use the analogy of if someone's going to go and enter a running race, you know, instead of doing a 5k, I went for the full marathon right at the gates. I guess I could have house hacked a big apartment building, but, um, you know, so I did it in a bigger building. It was harder to close. There was no resources back there, uh, back then in you know, 2005 when I did that deal. Um, but I think it's, people need to be mindful of, you know, don't always look at what other people are doing. Like you got to, most people go through the normal evolution of a real estate investor, which is uh, a lot of people rent at first, unless they're staying at their parents' house until they're 40 or whatever, but you know, they rent and then they realize, well, Hey, I could be putting my money towards something more important than rent. So they might buy a, a duplex or triplex and they can house hack or they share a, they live in a student house with other people or whatever it might be. And then, then they evolve over time. They learn how to do good renovations. They learn how to spot other opportunities. Maybe they get into conversions or land or those kinds of things. Um, you know, I've done a lot of burring in my time, but you know, when you've done uh, literally, like I think I counted the other day, it's like we've cashed like 10,000 rent checks over the years, you know, you want to apply your skills somewhere else. So we pivoted to doing some medium term rentals when my eight year old was born eight years ago. And uh, I didn't really, you know, Airbnb was around back then, but I didn't really want to have that daily turnover. I know as parents, uh, we're always looking for the minimum effective dose. How can I be as profitable as possible with as little time as possible because time is so valuable, just like your quote in your onboarding documents talked about, you know, you can always get more, um, more money, but you can't always get more time. Right. So you got to be mindful of your time. I've done a lot of medium term rentals and uh, bought a storage facility this year. we got some raw land that we're going to be developing. Um, you know, but I think people really need to get good at the basics and the fundamentals before they start to go do all these other crazy strategies and do five things at once and not do any of them very well. Why don't you focus on one or two things do them really well. And then you can always add something that's complementary to your, you know, repertoire as you go along. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that's really good advice, especially in a world of uh, a lot of messaging, right? A lot of messaging, a lot of different strategies. I actually have some uh, folks who I know who will go to like, you know, these events, all these types of events. And when they come back from the events, instead of feeling empowered, I think they almost feel confused because, you know, you're going to these events where people are talking about, like you said, like, you know, duplexing about self-storage, about development, about short-term rentals. Oh, like there's this and this and this. There's so many different strategies that you can employ. Um, But ultimately, like you said, I think there's sort of an importance in understanding that you, you just got to pick one thing, whatever it is, you got to just pick one thing, get really good at it, learn a lot about that one thing. And then you can start. And, and I think you're proof that you can diversify. Nobody's saying to, to be a one trick pony your whole entire career. So tell us a little bit about that evolution. Like you said, you, you did a little bit of house hacking and then what happened next? And the house hacking came kind of naturally to me because I was, uh, I was working in a company where 
we were hiring and training university students to run their own painting franchise. I used to be the VP of operations for Eastern Canada for StudentWorks Painting. So great company. I still go back and speak to them. I'm an alumni, true and true forever. So I, I was okay with living like a student because I'd worked with so many of them. And back then there was no YouTube for this sort of stuff. Like I literally learned about renovations through my brother who was a contractor. I mean, I saw my dad, my dad tried to do some things when I was younger. So I was exposed to it at a young age. And I took some shop and that kind of stuff in school, but literally I learned from Mike Holmes, like Holmes on Holmes, watching, <laughs> watching videos. I bought all of his DVD sets and then just getting in there and doing easier renovations, like just surface level cosmetic. Let's rip out the floors, the, you know, the sinks and the showers and let's put it back together. Right. So, um, and you know, people can definitely evolve when they start a little bit easier. Um, if, if someone goes into a full gut job, massive renovation, they're going to get over their head. They just don't know what they don't know. And it's a lot easier to get sideswiped or just things come from the unknown and it takes way longer because right now in real estate, you can still flip houses and stuff like that, but it's got to be fast. Like you got to be in and out before the market changes again, you know? So that's, that's my advice to people is, you know, make sure you know what your strategic advantage is. Like, what do you bring to the table? Maybe you love tourism, right? So maybe you should get started with Airbnb or some kind of a furnished rental, or maybe you're a contractor. So for you to go and do a flip doesn't scare you at all. And you have the team members to just turn it around super fast, right? So make sure that you, um, like you said, when you go to an event, that's kind of like eating at the buffet. Like you can go and listen to everything, which would be like trying everything out, but you should know what your favorite foods are and what, what really lines up well with you. And, uh, you know, become really good at that. I'd rather see people go like an inch wide, but a mile deep, whereas so many people these days are trying to go, you know, a mile wide and only an inch an inch deep and, you know, jack of all trades, master of nothing doesn't really get you too many places too fast. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. And, and, uh, kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, has there been a, a time where you've uh, taken a loss on a property or, you know, th things didn't go as well as you planned, uh, and maybe some of the lessons you learned uh, from that deal? Yeah. Have I ever taken a loss on a property? Um, I mean, I remember when I sold my, I, I haven't really lost too much. Right. And I think it's important. Like what's Warren Buffett's first message, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, don't lose money. And what's the second one? Second lesson is look at number, look at number one. That's lesson yeah. number two. So um, <laughs> I, I've maybe sold too early. Like I, I remember I sold my, one of my first student rental properties and I maximized this thing. It was like a three bedroom house and we turned it into a six bedroom house and add an extra bathroom. And I, I took the property as far as I, I could at the time. And I was just getting a little bit tired of managing student rentals and it was a little bit further away from campus. This is in London, Ontario. So I sold it. If I would have been patient and just held it for another year or two, literally the price would have doubled. Right. But yeah. um, I don't think that was maybe a mistake or a loss because I took that money and I still made a great return the same year with it. Right. So um, I have maybe lost, like there's been the odd month where, you know, you get a tenant who just does a midnight move or something like that. Um, so keep the losses small or micro so that you can keep thriving at the game too often people have these bigger losses and they're very difficult to recover from so i'm not trying to say play it safe because you'll never get to second base if you have your foot on first base right but you've got to be you got to make sure that you're making found uh, sound financial decisions and if that means you need to surround yourself with people that have been there done that have some really good mentors in your corner advisors um, I, I always had people I could reach out to, you know, so don't go through this journey alone because these are big price tags, right? These are the biggest investments of your life. You don't want to just be trying to do that on your own or trying to figure it out on YouTube or, you know, podcasts. <laughs> Those are all great. 
um, they'll only get you so far, right? Um, you can learn a ton from a great realtor, right? You know, like I think a great realtor can get you your first handful of properties as well until you get start to get a little bit more complicated, uh, maybe corporate structure or things of that nature. And that's when you need to start, you know, relying on your accounting and, and legal teams more. But yeah, I've, uh, I've been fortunate. Not that I'm, I play it safe all the time. I just find that I make really good. I put a lot of thought into every move I make when it comes to real estate investing. I'm a very, you know, mindful person. That's why I always get asked to do these talks on mindset, I guess that, you know, I don't just like fire, fire, ready, aim. I'm, I'm always thoughtful before I pull the trigger on things. And I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So talk to us a little bit about your coaching. So for those of you who don't know, Corey is an extremely active coach um, and has an, a team as well that coaches real estate investors. So, um, you know, coached hundreds of uh, people in the industry. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, um, how that came to be, uh, what your, you know, passion is towards coaching and and really what your vision is. Like, why do you do it? What What is it that you want to accomplish through your coaching? Definitely. And, you know, there's, uh, there, there has been some heat on coaches recently when it's like, you know, because I think whenever anybody is successful at something, even in an easy market, they, they're like, well, how else can I monetize this, right? Maybe I'll start a coaching program. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's, we need more bright lights in the world. We need more leaders in the world. And, you know, if you're a beginner, don't go try to say that you know how to teach the most advanced thing in the room. Uh, but you can always be teaching somebody as long as you're two or three steps ahead of them, right? Like, that's kind of like, you're climbing a mountain, just put your hand back and help the other person up the mountain a little bit. So I've been a, like a coach and a mentor for pretty much the majority of my life. I can still remember the first time I was ever asked by one of my uh, friend's parents in grade four, you know, can you teach my, uh, and, and help to tutor my, my son in, uh, in French of all topics. Right. So, cause I thought, well, maybe it's a topic I'd be really good at maybe it'd be science or math or something like that, but no, it was, it was French. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I don't speak any French right now, but, um, so from then, you know, as a peer tutor in grade school, peer tutor in high school, peer tutor in college. And then I took a job. Uh, my corporate world was actually like teaching and mentoring people to go run businesses who'd never run businesses before. And then I did so well with real estate. I was able to retire at 36 and then when I retired, people just started reaching out like, hey, can you teach me how to do real estate? I'd like to be able to do what you did. Um, can you help make a roadmap for me? Can you give me some advice? So I started to put some things together. You know, for the first year or two, it was really pretty unofficial because I was busy being a busy parent like you guys. I'm sure you know what it's like in the first year or two of having kids, like you're lucky to get sleep. But um, over time, I was like, you know, there's enough social proof here. And I love consulting. I love helping people. So I just put something more formal together. I documented all my processes of how do you actually do different things. And, um, you know, I basically started coaching people one-on-one. I, maybe I went for the harder thing first, was the, which was like one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, consulting. And then I, we just started like a group training program about a year ago. So we launched it almost a year to the day. It's our infinite real estate accelerator program. And that's where we, we help people really work on the fundamentals. It's a 10 to 12 week course. They get 15 hours of recorded content with us, 15 hours of Q&A with us. So it's a great way to help a lot of people all at once because I realized very quickly the one-to-one -one model only goes so far. You can only work with so many people one-to-one -one, and uh, we need to have, and that's why I started a YouTube channel up last spring and um, I've actually filmed some podcast episodes and things myself. So we kind of released some as YouTube episodes too. Um, it's just a great way to, to impact more people because... Um, you know, there's so many people out there that need help and they're struggling and, you know, the government's not helping us. School's not helping us all that much. They, they need people like you and I to help show them 
like how to get ahead in life and uh, how to have, whether it's a, a side hustle or some real estate or both. I mean, it's, it's super important these days. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you've coached through, um, you know, several hundred students. What would you say are some of the top traits that has made those two students be very successful? Great question. And this is something that we used to look for back in corporate as well. So I'll share it with your audience and they can maybe do a, like a mental checklist, like how many of these character traits checks the box for me right now. Uh, I'd say number one is going to be somebody who is uh, willing to do the work. Okay. So you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Frankly, sometimes the smartest person in the room has too big of an ego and they just, they won't let new information come in. But are you willing to put in the work? Like, will you actually block and tackle out your calendar? Are you a person of your word? So when you say you're actually going to do something, do you follow through on it? That's one. Uh, two would be, are you actually coachable? There's a lot of people out there that will say that they're coachable, but unless they've actually been in coaching situations before I found, which a great one is sports. Like I used to be a national level athlete. So I was just used to getting, you know, <laughs> constructive uh, feedback. Sometimes it wasn't even constructive. It was just like, man, that sucked. Do it over again. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. So you, you just take it as like, Hey, this is just, we're just having a conversation. We're just talking this stuff through and I'm get, taking it as reference points. I'm not taking it personally. Um, so being coachable is important because I'd rather have a bit of a wild horse. You know, I, I can steer a wild horse, right? Cause they got a lot of energy and they're willing to like put in the work as opposed to someone who is not coachable and doesn't listen and doesn't do any work, right? So willing and coachable is important. And then number three is like, you got to be hungry. You got to be hungry and passionate about what you do. Um, some might even call that being obsessed, right? But being obsessed in a, in a healthy way. Because when you're obsessed about things that you really like, it's not like it's draining on you, right? There's no friction there because you, you love doing it. So, you know, I, I, I stay up late often. I get up early often. Um, you know, I speak on lots of stages. I want to be on podcasts and this stuff doesn't feel like work because we're really just sharing a message that is so passionate to me. And maybe it was because I saw my parents struggle a little bit, right? I, I've seen other people where their parents didn't struggle. They don't really feel the need to share that kind of education, that kind of message with people of, you know, get a, get a property or two, don't rely on your pension, all those different messages, right? So those are some of the character traits that I would, I would see. And I guess resilient would be another one, especially during the last couple of years, you know, you've seen yeah. who has, has melted under the pressure, who has cracked under the pressure, right? Are they made of, are they made of ice or snow? Are they made of granite or steel? And, you know, when you get uh, more hardships, perhaps, whether they're big or small earlier in life, you know, you put those in the, in the bank and you know how to deal with things when things are tough. Like during COVID, I just put my head down. I'm like, this is a great opportunity to work. You know, the world's, there's no trips to go on anymore. Um, I've always wanted to make a, like a group training program or whatever it might be, or, or teach people virtually more on zoom. So I'm just going to figure it out. You know, I'm, I'm in my forties. I'm not some millennial who's super tech savvy, but you figure it out, you get around the right people and you just you keep showing up every single day. So those are, those are my pieces of advice. That, that was, that's what makes a person going to be successful. I find in life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And exactly what you said sounds like, so I've been reading this thing and, you know, it's the definition of grit, right? Perseverance plus passion equals grit. And it sounds exactly like that. Like, you know, somebody who's just really gritty, who has all of those, um, traits that, that make them successful, which I think is a big part to play here. Um, talk to us a little bit about comfort. Um, because, I think at least in my experience, and I'm not a coach, but people come to us and talk to us and we find that comfort is a big hindrance. Um, 
I, I, you know, even when I will tell people like, Hey, like you got to come back from work and you got to do this. Like you got to, you got to grind like for the first while, I mean, there's no other word for it. Right. You got to grind. And it's like, yeah, but like, I don't really feel like that. Like, I don't really feel like that's something I want to do. Like, why would I give up my life to just like grind? And like, you know, I actually get this response from people, people who are in corporate jobs where they're making, you know, quote unquote, good livings. Um, They don't have any sort of discomfort with their day-to-day lifestyle. How do you overcome that and motivate people to, or is it just the people you're coaching already have that? Well, fortunately, a lot of them already have that, but some of them, we have to do things uh, or give them some exercises or environments where they do have opportunities to get some of that feeling, right? And it's, you know, it kind of takes a generation. Like I remember when I was young, like it wasn't like you didn't want to carry a balance on your credit card. Um, I know my kids were asking me today, uh, they're like, daddy, why don't, why don't we take the bus or anything like that? I'm like, we could, but it takes longer. And they've made it so easy to get a car. Like when I was young, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, I think you would, you'd be looked at really down upon if you needed a car loan, like, oh, you go get a used car, you save up some money until you have enough money for a used car. And then if you have more money, maybe you could buy a new car or a newer car or whatever it might be. So, um, and I think, you know, obviously the government, and credit cards and debt have made it very easy to people for people to stay comfortable, you know, and we're kind of in this like have it now kind of economy, right? You want to book a trip, great. You just go online, book a trip. You can literally just go jump on a plane tonight or tomorrow if you really want to. Right. So I think they need to get used to doing hard things and going, you know, that's an opportunity for me to grow, you know, go, go do some challenges. Maybe it's a physical challenge, right? I find that when people can engage themselves physically and they get used to doing something like, you know, I'll probably end up going for a run later today, right? It's for Canada, it's, it's eight degrees where I'm at, which is, this has been like the mildest winter ever. Um, for some people, they need to do something like the 75 hard challenge. For other people, it's like, we have other challenges in our program, like make a hundred phone calls over the course of two to four weeks, right? Um, anybody that touches real estate doesn't have to be realtors. Because um, if you call a hundred realtors, you're just tying up a whole bunch of realtors time. But you know, it could be the contractors, could be the junk collectors, could be property managers, like just go and get used to the people that make things happen in your city and get uncomfortable like get used to being uncomfortable on something as small as a phone call or make a story on your social media might feel uncomfortable about that. But over time, you know, it's like you've taken this weak muscle and now you've made it stronger to the point where I actually want to be uncomfortable. I want variety. I want, you know, just things to like challenges to present themselves because that's how I really thrive. Right. I'm not trying to make my life more difficult than it needs to be, but you know, like Tony Robbins, I did his inner circle for a year uh, for the past 15 or 20 years. Tony does a cold plunge every single morning. Um, he's been doing that for a long, long time. Now you see people mm-hmm. doing ice baths and all these yeah. things because it's like the thing to do. It's like, uh, you know, I've sat in ice baths like 20 years ago when your legs are so sore from doing squats that that was the only thing that would give you some relief. Right. So um, I think it's great that some of these things are being adopted right now, but I think it's, yeah, the couches get pretty comfortable. People don't go outside as much. People just don't do as much. People don't even socialize as much, you know? Yeah. So you got to put yourself in the right environment, right? There's three things that'll help get you what you want in life. It's typically your mindset, your skill set, and your environment. So if you can get yourself in the right environment, change your mindset, and then work on your skill set, if you can do all three of those things, but sometimes it might just start with the right environment. Get around other people that are doing hard things too. So that you're like, okay, I guess we're all doing this sort of thing. Maybe that's a training partner. Maybe that's an accountability partner. But yeah, I mean, I uh, <laughs> this, this is the kind of stuff that fires me up. Like you will not get what you want in life living in comfort, like comfort zones. 
are meant for like extreme recovery or if you're sick or something like that. But all growth in life is done through being uncomfortable by pushing the envelope, reaching for the next level, stretching, whatever you need to do, um, doing counterintuitive things. It's not by being comfortable by any means. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. Like, it's so funny when you talk to people, it's like, you know, why would you do that to yourself? Like that's, you know, why would some, I've had people tell me too, like, I would never want to be you. Like, why would I want to put myself through that? Like, you know, with some of the struggles of being an entrepreneur and having property management issues and tenants and, you know, like there is struggles, there's no doubt there's struggles, but it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. The dialogue that I hear a lot of times is very resistant to that. And very much so like, I'm, I'm happy with my life. Like I'm cool with this. Like I'm cool with going to work every day. I like my job like you know it's 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 very interesting to me and um they almost talk themselves yeah out it's of almost it. like talking yourselves oh, yeah. down they're right? they're, Where... they're hypnotized right they're in like self-hypnosis yeah. and you know what's the dream job in in canada right so work for yeah. the government my wife yeah. uh works at the high school just down the road and that's what she really loves to do i could have retired her a long time ago um but i know that i have that future vision i'm not living a delusionary life i know that things are going to cost way more in the future. And I want to have way more extra money in the bank and have assets that are going to be able to let us continue to live the lifestyle that we have right now. And we want to have an even better lifestyle in the future. So we always practice some form of delayed gravitation. You know, my my next big bucket list is to be able to fly private more often or to have my own plane, right? So, you know, we don't have to deal with delays and everything else at the airport or telling you who can fly and when you can't fly. But um, yeah, I think if people actually put some more thought into it, did some more research on, what the value of our dollar is actually going to be able to purchase like the diminished purchasing power in the future. Maybe they would get more fired up to work a little bit harder and they don't have to work as hard as us. Like we're, we're kind of extreme examples here. Um, but I think what's wrong with like having something a little bit extra, like something that you do. Like when I was young, my mom used to cut hair, even though she was busy with the kids, uh, she used to be a hairdresser, but she would still bring people over uh, you know, they cut my dad's uh, friend's hair and things like that. All of our cousins, all the people on the street would go to my my mom's place and get their hair cut, right? So it doesn't hurt to have a side hustle, especially if it's something that you really enjoy. Um, and, and maybe people just don't realize that they could actually monetize some of their hobbies and passions and things. And maybe they don't want to do all the active work, but I think it's important that they at least know how to maybe invest passively in real estate, right? Maybe they just go buy something that's super turnkey. It doesn't require any work you'll be very happy that you bought that investment five or 10 years down the road when you can refinance it, or if you ever did have to sell it, or when you're handed down to your kids or something like that, right? So there's so many different ways to get to that end result. So many people are just thinking my job's going to get me there, which is not not the case as you guys know, right? I know you guys, yeah. I'm preaching to the choir right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, as what's with with what's happening in today's economy with, you know, the government and inflation and uh, all the money printing, um, you know, and some people may find this as an excuse that, hey, like you know, interest rates are too high um, or this and that. I give themselves an excuse. What do you think are some of the things that people should be paying attention to right now, which they aren't, especially when it comes to real estate investing? Yeah. So a lot of people, they'll go on the MLS and they'll just take a quick first glance at the properties out there and go, oh, none of these work, right? Because they, you know, most people know how to do napkin math, right? Like you look at the potential income or the rents that somebody would pay market value rent on that property. And then what are the expenses? And they do the math and like, that doesn't really work. But what they're not doing is they're not asking themselves, how could this work, right? You got to be, I do believe in, in more challenging times or in most markets, like I, 
when I first started doing real estate, it was, it was a grind. Like things weren't going up very quickly. It was like one or 2% appreciation a year. So we had to be a little bit more creative. We were always going, okay, how could it work? You know, how could this be a deal? You know, what strategy might I need to do? It's interesting. Like if you go on, you know, realtor.ca, there's a lot more people that are willing to give the, the buyers a vendor take back these days, right? You can just go in the, the search bar and just type in VTB. You'll see all the ones in Ontario that are willing to do a VTB with you. Whereas in the past, that was like very minimal. You might see a dozen for the whole province. Now you're seeing hundreds. So I think if people ask themselves, how could this still be a deal? What creativity would need to happen for this to work? And like our students are still finding deals. Um, and if it's a deal now, man, it's going to be such a great deal in the next year or two once rates come back down, you know, they'll maybe not never go back down to where they were, but when there's a four on there um, or maybe even a, even a three on the interest rates, I mean, they're going to be laughing and they're going to be glad that they did do it. So I think they just need to be a little bit more creative and, and just look at things through different lenses. But if you're only using one pair of glasses, it's, it's going to be a, a no. And then they're just going to sit and wait, which, you know, the world moves ahead every single day. So when you sit and do nothing, you actually fall behind because the world's always moving. Other people are always moving forward. You're not. So you're falling behind. For sure. So Corey, tell us a little bit um, about your own real estate investing and what are you currently investing in? What areas are you investing in? Um, and what is sort of your strategy for, I'd say like, you know, 2023 coming? Oh, great question. So, I mean, I've been building my portfolio, you know, steadily over the years, you know, some, some years I would buy you know, five, five, six, seven, some years I'd only buy one. I don't think there's really been any years where I haven't bought anything. So, um, and I, I guess I didn't just follow the herd during COVID. Like a lot of people are just financing everything out to the max. And that's great if you finance everything to the max and then you locked in at a low rate on a fixed term, but I've always been a variable kind of a person. So, you know, I've just always picked strategies where I'm still fine. I'm still cash flowing really well because I've diversified a little bit and 15% of my portfolio is medium term rentals. And I've been screaming from the rooftops for like the last three years, like go for the higher yielding strategies before you actually need them. Cause now a lot of people are like, Oh, I need the, the, like I need to start an Airbnb or I need to do something like that because a regular rental, like my regular rental is losing money. Why don't you do it before you even need it? You know um, because when you actually need it, it's kind of too late. So Right now, like I'm getting really interested in uh, just some higher level projects, right? Like we have 10 acres near uh, the water here in Sarnia that we're going to develop. I've always been a value city kind of a person. Um, you know, you can, you can make money in real estate in any city. The strategies are just going to look a little bit different. So I've always looked for those value markets because I grew up in a value market. Sarnia, Ontario, 70,000 people. Um, you know, it's like St. Thomas, the St. Thomas's of the world. London's still pretty affordable right now. Certain cities are a little bit more expensive. Some people are going a little bit further up to the north. Some people are going to the east coast. Some people are going to the west coast. Some people are going to Alberta. So there's deals all across Canada. I've always been more of a value kind of a city person and a cash flow investor. And then once you get really good at that to the point where I've got someone else who manages all my doors, we've got about 100 doors. And then we've got a bunch more when you add all the storage doors too. Um, then you can go and go, okay, I learned how to do good renovations through burring, maybe I'll go and do some development or like a quick flip or, you know, do something bigger. Like we've also got a church that, you know, we wanted to actually get this started right at the beginning of COVID. We bought a 12,000 square foot church that we could put uh, a bunch of apartments in and build an addition and turn it into 29 units and a 20,000 square foot building. So it was a little bit too expensive and a little bit too challenging during COVID with supply chain to get that one going. But 
I'm looking forward to getting it going here in the next year. So we're going to recost it and just pull the trigger, get it going. Cause that's, that'll be a great project once that's done. That's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know anybody in Ontario that has done self storage. So tell us about how you came across that deal and, and how is it working out so far? Yeah. I mean, I've been very interested in self storage for gosh, probably ever since I had to use some self storage. Like when we were, uh, we bought our first, home as a husband and wife back in 2009. And I remember that was in Kamoka. So Kamoka is just outside of London, Ontario. And they had built a storage facility a couple of years before. And I remember calling them. They're like, we're, we're very full, but if you can wait a week, I think someone's giving up their unit and you'll be able to get in. I was like, wow, this is like, there's no, there's no supply. Like this must be mm-hmm. really good. Right. They picked the right area of booming city to go build a storage facility on. And you know, from them, that kind of turned on a part of my brain that, you know, this is definitely a thing. And obviously, like storage wars on TV and all that sort of stuff over the years just goes to show like people are becoming more and more materialistic. And as the cost to build homes increases, right, the cost per square foot, people are going to get into smaller homes. So that means they're going to need like an extra garage somewhere. And their garage could be my storage facility or someone else's storage facility. But there's definitely math behind it. Like you need to make sure that the city is not uh, overbuilt when it comes to storage facilities. And I can put you guys in touch with some great storage people if you want to talk to them too. But, Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's kind of like, you don't really, you're not taking phone calls about the toilets running or, you know, I I love this. That's why I'm actually or they're they're fighting or parking issues or whatever. (laughs) It still is fairly active. Like someone's got to be answering the phones, but, um, it is kind of cool and it's fairly recession resilient you know, people still need a place to store their stuff for sure. And during COVID, if you could actually find a storage facility, you had a big advantage because the cost to build and the wait time to build were further out there. So I, uh, this was brought to us just through actually one of my students. She, she'd been in touch with a realtor and he's like, hey, I know you're looking for a multifamily, but would you ever consider storage? And the deal was a little bit too big for her to take down. So she referred it to me. I paid her a finder's fee. We took it down and um, she might get involved in the future on future expansion or a future deal. But um, some of the best deals, as you know, come through word of mouth. This one never hit the market. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of my deals are kind of that way too. I'd rather find them off market because then there's no competition and you can be a little bit more creative with the owners at that point. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's super cool. No, I love, uh, I, I've been kind of learning a little bit more about self-storage and uh, it's a brilliant business model, especially I, I don't know too many people that are in the space, uh, on, you know, especially in Canada. In Canada, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's brilliant. Well, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of bigger owners, right? So you get the bigger, like, yeah. all type companies that own Public. a lot of the inventory. Yeah. But, yeah, there's not as many mom and pop type shops. But they're out there. And there's some realtors that sell this stuff exclusively. And okay. there's some people that just like to be in the space. And I think every year there's a, there's a national Canadian storage convention, which is kind of cool, too. So... That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Look into that. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think we're uh, kind of at our time here. I'm sure we could talk more, but uh, we just wanted to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing. If people want to get in touch, um, can, we'll put it in our show notes as well, but maybe you could just give us a quick uh, rundown of the best way to uh, follow you or to contact you if anybody's interested in, um, you know, coaching or having any other questions for you. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, people can go to my website. It's just coreymckinnon.com. That's where they can fill out a form and we can have like a strategic map 
session, we can actually map out where are you right now? Where do you want to be? And you know, how, how can you get there in today's economy? Um, Instagram is great. Cause I post on there like five days a week. Also I have a YouTube channel. So if people are listening to this, go give us a subscribe. We're really close to a thousand followers and uh, some of the videos are getting great traction there too. Um, Facebook as well, but yeah, I'm, you know, basically just Google my name. You'll be able to find ways to find me and happy to help, you know, people that are newer, intermediate or more advanced. We have, uh, we have things for everybody. So. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. So we'll definitely link it in our show notes. And, um, yeah, before we, uh, close off for the day, did you have like a, a quote or a saying that really resonates with you or that, um, you embody in your, in your life or your business that you'd love to share? Sure. You know, my message for people is that we, we always have another level. We always have something that we could be reaching for. And I think one of the saddest things would be if you ever got to meet your maker and they show you the person that you could have been, you know, and you weren't putting in the effort and always be stretching and trying to go to the next level to become that person, that would be a shame, right? So that's my message to people. We always have another level. And I know you guys, your message is like, what is the definition of wealth? So I, I think in 2023, the definition of wealth is like, an abundant mindset and attitude when it comes to things like don't, don't play small. Um, don't try to contract. Like you need to be abundant and be ready to expand and have that confidence that, you know, if other people are, are still growing themselves and their portfolios, then I can too, right. You might just need to get, you know, go find that person or go find that room or, uh, you know, be on the right podcast where you can get those kinds of messages. Cause it's uh, you don't want to, you don't want to lose time. You don't want to look back and go, wow, I didn't do anything for, three, four years because I was worried, right? I was worried about, no, you just didn't have the right playbook. So yeah, yeah you know, be abundant well, and don't be afraid message. to expand. Yeah. Great message. So thanks again, Corey, really appreciate your time and your message. Um, yeah. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks guys for having me. It's been awesome. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.